you turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, we'll be reading verses 18 to 14. If you'd like, like to uh, follow along, there is a, a Bible. It should be one in the seat in front of you below. But if not, the words will be up on the screen as well. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." pray. Father, we thank you because you are the God who, who graciously gives to us many things. Lord, we thank you because of the holiday season. We thank you for times with friends and family members, the opportunity to worship you this morning, but most of all, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, and it is the gospel that we want to see in the passage this morning. I pray that you would show us the Lord. And I pray that, that the saints would be encouraged. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably the, the best news that the world has ever, ever heard was when Germany finally surrendered, ending World War II in Egypt. In Europe, not in Egypt. When Nazi Germany finally and unconditionally surrendered to the Allied forces in 1945 after almost six years of conflict, well, that set off a wave of celebration that rippled throughout the entire world from Europe to the British Isles to North America through Australia and France and countries like Belgium. All these countries, all the peoples in different countries took to the streets and danced and they celebrated upon receiving this incredibly good news. And even though there was still an ongoing war with Japan at the time, which would soon end, there was, this was still a period in history that was marked by celebration, and deservedly so, because of the many years of war and bloodshed. We love receiving good news. Whether it's receiving something we never expected before, or maybe something that we've always really wanted and we finally receive it, whether it's getting the job we wanted, or getting a job promotion, or getting into the school we wanted to get into, or hearing about uh, that a, a friend or a loved one is going to pull through after having a car accident. We love receiving good news. And the thing about good news is that, sadly, it doesn't come around very often. And the other thing about good news is that what makes it, I think, good is that it oftentimes we never expect it. 
here in the passage in the middle of the night to these unsuspecting shepherds on a seemingly random day in history, an angel appears and he brings good news that a savior has been born. And this is news of great joy for the world. And this is the good news of Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas. So we're going to take a look at this good news of Christmas and why it was of such great joy. And you'll notice that this, the introduction to this good news came with this spectacular entrance. In verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the greatest news for all the world, the news of great joy, a news that continues to, be, to, continues to spread throughout the entire world to this very day, was not shouted from the rooftops. It didn't make the morning paper, in part because the telegraph hadn't been invented yet. And the news wasn't even made in a populous area in the middle of the day when people would be up and about, but the news came in the middle of the night and to some shepherds. And it's quite surprising, especially when you consider the, the gravity of the news and how and it, it reflected by such a spectacular way to proclaim it. The passage says that the angel appeared to the shepherds. And if that wasn't spectacular enough, it also says that the glory of God was there. So just imagine being out in the field in the middle of the night, hearing the crickets and seeing the stars at night, and all of a sudden, that, that dark sky is lit up, almost like if it was like broad daylight. And that's kind of what these shepherds experience in this moment. And typically, when you read through the, through, the, through the scriptures, when an angel of the Lord appears, people are filled with great fear, and rightly so, because the understanding or what they are expecting is that that God has made himself aware or made himself known to declare something bad. Not that, the, not that God is bad, but when God makes it a point to show up, well, people typically are filled with fear because they're thinking, this might not be very good for me. When it comes to the holiness of God, his purity, his moral excellence, his righteousness, his perfections, displayed by his vibrant and brilliant glory, I mean, no one could ever, ever measure up. We may think that we do, or at least maybe come pretty close, but just as there are different shades of white, we may think that we are just a, sh a shade or two off. But to be honest, the honest truth, according to the scriptures, is that we are way off. All that to say that the shepherds are right to fear because like us, they don't measure up to God's holiness and his righteousness. But the angel doesn't come to bring them bad news, but he comes to bring them good news, and news of great joy. And so I want to take a moment to ponder on the fact that, that this great news was made to shepherds. The angel is about to tell the shepherds that a Savior has been born in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. So this newborn Savior, there's several things that the angel tells us about this newborn child says that he is, he is the Christ, right? And that Christ means that he's anointed. He's anointed by God. And he's born in the city of David. That is King David, Israel's greatest king. And so the other, in other words, the angel is trying to communicate to these shepherds that royalty has been born. 
that this is one who has been promised in the Old Testament scriptures. This one is finally here, a king for God's people. And not only that, but he's identified as a savior, which means that this newborn child, this royalty, this king has been born in order to rescue his people. And the angel also identifies him as the Lord, which also tells you that this is not just royalty or a king who has been born, but this is somebody who is divine, somebody who is Christ the Lord. And you wouldn't expect for such incredible news to be made to shepherds, to these nameless shepherds. The angel didn't proclaim the news into a palace to kings or queens. He didn't proclaim the news to Caesar. The uh, angel didn't proclaim the news to, uh, to the, the religious teachers of God's people. And later on, as you continue to read the gospel, you would quickly realize that they never accepted the Savior. Instead, the angel went to these shepherds. And I think that tells us at least two things. The first thing it tells us is that the good news is not only for people of high class or in high social standing. It's not only for the strongest. It's not for the wisest. It's not just for the most reputable of society. Rather, we see, what we see in the angel's announcement to these shepherds is what we see is, what we see is the beginning pattern and characterization of Jesus' ministry, that he goes to the lowly, that he, that he sits and eats with sinners, that he's unafraid to touch the leprous and heal the sick, that he's unafraid to be associated with tax collectors and those who are most despised by society. In other words, Jesus goes to all those who think themselves and who the society also think are the most unworthy. I mean, have you ever put your name in a raffle or just sign up for some random contest? You put your name in or you purchase a raffle ticket and you put it in and then somebody or a computer generates, you know, who wins, draws out a number, draws out a raffle ticket or a name and that person wins, right? And maybe it's something that you really want and maybe it's something that would be nice to have, but the thing about raffles or there's those randomly generated systems is that it's completely impersonal. No matter who wins, it's irrespective of who they are, where they came from, what they're about, what they like, what they dislike. It, it, it's totally irrespective of all of that. It's just randomly drawn. And so somebody who receives the prize could be somebody who maybe well deserves it. Maybe they've had a bad year and they could use some good news in their life. Or it could be given to somebody who might be a complete jerk and doesn't deserve it. Or it could be given to somebody who just puts their name on the lottery or whatever and the drawing and just says, ah, I'll just do it. And if I win it, then I'll sell it. It's completely impersonal. But how would you feel, or how do you feel, and I'm sure you've experienced this, but how do you feel when somebody gives a gift to you? whether that's a friend or a loved one or even a complete stranger. Imagine just a, a random stranger just knocks on the door and says, I want to give this to you. I, I, no strings attached. I don't expect anything in return. This is, this, is, this is for you. I mean, you would feel a sense of, of love. You would feel a sense of appreciation. You might even feel a sense of humility. You might even ask yourself, why me? And this is how, so God, in giving us his son, is communicating his personal love to us. It's not impersonal. This is not an impersonal love coming from an impersonal God, but this is coming from a personal God who desires for people to know 
that he knows them and that he loves them. In Mark 10.45, we have a good summary, sentence summary of the ministry of Jesus. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2.6 tells us that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, Christ, the Lord, this newborn king who is divine, raised in the throne, was enthroned in the heavens with God, glorified by angels, full of majesty and royalty. And he decides to step down from all that in order to become a servant. Not to be served, but to serve instead by dying on the cross for the sins of his people. That is direct, that is intentional, that is personal. And so, the angel's proclamation to the shepherds also uh, affirms that this good news is, in fact, for all people, right? It's not just for those who are high in status. It is for them, but not just them. It's not for the richest, not just for the strongest, not just for the wisest, but it is for all people. The good news of great joy is that it is for all people that is without distinction, right? It's not just for the Jews. It's not for those who are of Israel, as the people have come to expect, but it is for all people. It is for everyone to hear. And the good news of great joy for all people is that a Savior has been born. And so this newborn child is a Savior. But who is he here to rescue, right? You don't need a Savior if you don't need rescuing. And so the fact that he is called a Savior means that people need rescuing. And what do they need rescuing from? In one of the other gospel accounts in Matthew, in chapter 1, the angel makes this announcement to Mary, the virgin, who is about to have, who will have Jesus Christ, the Son, it says, the angel said that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for or because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save his people so that they might be pure white, like the holiness of God, the holiness that God requires of all of us because he created us. And how does he do this? How does he accomplish this? He does this by being crucified to a cross. Jesus died so that his people might live. When you put your faith and trust upon Jesus Christ and you repent of your sins, your sins are crucified with Jesus Christ on the cross. So, though, so then you no longer bear the penalty of those sins. But with, apart from faith, without having faith in Jesus Christ, you're still liable to the judgment of God for not measuring up to the righteous standards of God. But when you place your faith upon Jesus Christ, your sins are crucified with Jesus Christ. You no longer bear the penalty for those sins because Jesus Christ paid for them on the cross. And then his righteousness is then transferred to your account. And so God means to rescue us from his own judgment by sending his son to take our place. And then you know, the Lord considers your sins forgiven. And then the righteousness of Christ is applied to you. Romans chapter 6 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. What that passage communicates is that when we place our faith upon Jesus Christ, we are united to Christ so that it's not only our sins that are crucified with Christ, but it also means that we ourselves, our old self, are crucified with Jesus Christ. And such as, as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too, by our union with Christ through faith, we are raised to new life, that we are no longer the individuals that we were once before, that we are no longer enslaved to sin because it's been there, crucified with Jesus on the cross, but we come, become a new person in Jesus Christ. Now that, that's what this good news is intended to communicate. And so this, this good news was proclaimed with this spectacular entrance with the angel of the Lord and the glory of God shining from the heavens. And it all then it concludes with a spectacular exit. Verse 13, at the end of the passage, it says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So to God, it wasn't enough just to light up the dark sky with his glory and with this angel to announce the Savior's birth, but also God gave these nameless shepherds a glimpse, in a way, into the heavens. So to communicate the, the significance of this glorious message, of this news of joy, to show how momentous this occasion was, a large crowd of angels filled the dark sky and with one voice proclaimed glory to God in the highest. And so this news was the joy of heaven. But notice that they're not ascribing worship to Jesus Christ, who is the newborn king, but the God who sent the Savior. Right? Jesus is the Savior of his people. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is his kingdom that will one day be established on the earth. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for our sins so that we may have life. Jesus is our one and only hope. And all praise and glory, of course, be to Jesus Christ. But the angels are not proclaiming the glory to Jesus Christ. They're proclaiming the glory to God, to the highest. Even though the coming of the Savior excites the heavens, it excites the angels, and that excitement then produces worship to God. But why aren't the angels proclaiming the glory to Jesus Christ? Now, surely we should praise him in everything that we do, our lives, are to be for the glory of Jesus Christ. But the angels are ascribing glory to God. And why is that? Well, let's not forget that, that this news was not only the joy of heaven, but it's also the joy of earth. We could say that the angels praised God because this was God's plan from the very beginning. To send the Son, to commission the Son, right? to, to, uh, to draw people to God's Son. Jesus says that he does everything according to the will of the Father from what he teaches and even to whom he heals. And that Jesus also says that he seeks honor and the glory of God. But again, this news is of great joy for all people. Through the newborn king, right, we receive forgiveness and we receive grace. We receive the, the, the forgiveness of God. We are spared from God's judgment. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. We are made citizens of God's heavenly kingdom. So we are blessed immensely through Jesus Christ. But the greatest gift that we receive through Jesus Christ is the gift of God. 
the reason why the angels are immensely excited about the birth of this new Savior and proclaim the glory to God, the reason why this news is of great joy for all the world is for all the reasons that I just listed to you, but more so, most importantly, it is because through the Savior, the people can receive God. John chapter 3 tells us that Jesus is the ladder between heaven and earth. Apart from Jesus, there is no getting into the kingdom of heaven. We can't earn our way up there. We can't do anything to purchase it. We are separated from God apart from Jesus Christ because we are sinners and God is not. But through Jesus, we have this access. It is when we place our faith in him and we repent of our sins. So Jesus is the access to heaven, but the joy of heaven is not heaven itself, but the joy of heaven is that God is there. And Jesus says, no one, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one can come to the Father except through him. He says that no one can come to heaven except through him, though that is the final destination. It's not the final destination of people, of God's people, but Jesus says that if anyone wishes to come to the Father, then it has to be through him, that God is the final destination. The joy of heaven is not heaven itself, but that we get to be with God. Yes, through Jesus, God offers us forgiveness, grace, eternal life. God gives to us his Holy Spirit. He comforts us in our times of weaknesses and distress. He gives us a rich and heavenly inheritance that awaits us in the heavens. But most importantly, God gives to us himself. The good news of the gospel, the good news of the angel's proclamation is that the world can have God. In the holiday season, right, we enjoy receiving gifts. We enjoy giving gifts. Right, from, you might agree with the, with the song that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I would, it, it is a wonderful time for sure. And I would also say that it's probably one of the most, at least to me, it's, it, it is the most socially awkward time of the year because you're required to engage with people you never see but that one time a year. But those times, but the, the people that we do enjoy spending time with, right? Our friends and family members, don't forget about the people you never see, the people that you have a hard time engaging with just because you don't ever really see them. But those times are filled with a sense of joy and happiness. And even so, when we were receiving gifts, we would rather be with the person rather than just receive their gifts and not be with them, right? And sometimes it can't be helped. Sometimes it's just a matter of just travel and circumstances, right? Distance, miles, and just creates distance from one another, from people that we love and we would love to spend time with during the holiday season. We'd rather have their, their presence than their gifts. But through Jesus Christ, not only do we receive Jesus, who is a gift, of course, and all these incredible gifts through Jesus Christ, but God also means to give us himself through Jesus Christ. He not only sends the gift of Jesus Christ, but he also means to bless us with his very presence as well. And so that's the good news of, the, of Christmas, the holiday season, that we 
through Jesus Christ can have God. And what I don't mean about what I don't mean about just having God, but having Him. I don't mean Him. I don't mean that as a as your possession or as someone who was there to do your bidding and give you everything that you want and desire and hope for. But that's not what God is after. But what I mean is that by having God, is that you have a relationship with Him, that He is committed. He's eternally committed to you as your heavenly father, and you are eternally committed to him as his beloved son or daughter. That he is with you during the holiday season and when it's not the holiday season, that he always remains with you. But that we get to have this relationship with God because I went before, right? We were apart. We were distanced. We were irreconcilable with God because of our sins. But Jesus comes and he bridges that gap so that we can have a relationship with God like we were created to. And so that becomes your greatest joy and your greatest means of satisfaction. I mean, just think, in a few days it'll be Christmas, and then after that, the 26th, it's, it's over. And some of you will continue to visit people, and so in that sense, the holiday season is not over. But once those, those, all that traveling and all, the, and all the giving is done, well, the holiday season is over as well. But the good news of this gift of God is that it doesn't go away. That God remains with you. He remains abiding with you, with his presence, that he remains committed to you. So it, it doesn't matter whether it's a holiday season or not, that God is there with you at all times. And that is where your greatest joy comes from. So even as we go and celebrate and receive gifts and we give gifts, but let it not distract you from the greatest gift that you have, and that is a relationship with God. And even as the holiday season might be marked by drama, frustration, and perhaps even some sorrow, just remember that you do have the greatest gift, and that is the Lord abiding with you. You know, and you do what you can. You try to have a peaceful time with those who perhaps cause drama, Maybe that does mean that you shed some tears this holiday season, but again, remember that you still have this eternal hope and joy and comfort because God is with you. You, have, you, you, are always, you always remain connected to God the Father. And so that is the joy of heaven. That is the joy of earth. And that is what Christmas is essentially about. You know, when, when the world celebrated Germany's surrender, Part of the, the biggest reason why they celebrated was because there's, there's peace, right? This war was over, right? And nobody loves conflict. Nobody runs after conflict, but we enjoy peace. That's what we want. That's what the, God created the world for, for peace. And that's what God offers to us through Jesus Christ. And that is peace, peace with him through a, le- a loving and committed relationship with him. As we celebrate the holidays, may we respond like the shepherds later on in Luke 2.15. that tells us, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. May we respond in a similar manner in glorifying and praising God, not just because of what we have heard and seen in the scriptures, but because of what we have now through Jesus Christ. And that is this eternal peace with God and this abiding, committed, and loving relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you pursued us. You came down to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it is through him that we have life. It is through him that we have peace with you. It is through him that we are reconciled with you. So God, let us not forget that. It's so easy to be distracted with all the things that happened during the holiday season, but help us to remember that through the gospel, you give yourself to us. You pursued us. Through Jesus, you showed that you love us. And so help us to continue to, to look to you to find our hope and joy and satisfaction and contentment in you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for the gift of yourself. And we pray that this would be our greatest delights, not just this holiday season, but in every season. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.